0: The Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba is under intense scrutiny for a social media post that actively supported and encouraged a 10-year-old child to undergo a surgical gender
1: transition. True North found the Liberal government's recent assurance that they will not be regulating podcasts to be misleading since Bill C-11 empowers regulators to oversee platforms where a majority of podcasts are hosted.
0: The Alberta NDP is facing pressure from within to rebrand in order to distance themselves from their federal counterparts and the leadership of Jagmeet Singh. Hello Canada, it's Friday, November 17th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Cosman Georgia
1: And I'm William McBeth.
0: We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. The Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba is under intense scrutiny for a social media post that actively supported and encouraged a 10-year-old child in their desire to undergo a surgical gender transition. The post featuring a pseudonymous patient named Mary has sparked a wave of outrage and accusations on X, with critics labeling the foundation's stance as harmful. Mary's story, as presented in the controversial post, expressed a longing to be recognized as a real girl since the age of seven and wanting to have girl body parts. Quote, Mary thinks she was about seven years old when she began to articulate feelings of longing to be a real girl. Femininity, dresses, rainbows, and girl roles in games and on screen in Disney movies felt like the only areas that truly aligned with her identity, writes the Foundation. The post then quotes Mary as saying, I just wanted my name to be female, and I still want my body parts to be female. Critics of the post online included columnist Jonathan Kay, who criticized the foundation for encouraging a child to pursue a, quote, lifetime of drugs, dangerous and debilitating side effects, unnecessary surgeries, chopped off body parts, and sterility. In response to the backlash, the Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba later took to social media to try and justify their perspective by linking to various resources on transgenderism in children. William, when I discovered this post, I was a little bit startled. I thought at the beginning that it was a a fictional post. It was a sort of uh, made-up situation, but when I looked a little bit further, it, it was a real testimony essentially detailing this child's desire to transition into a girl and eventually a a woman when they reach the age of consent. What do you think of this, William? Is this an appropriate thing to be posting and an appropriate approach by the foundation? Obviously, there's been a lot of backlash to what they're putting out there right now. It's all over social media. Why do you think they're so dedicated to pushing children into gender transitions that could eventually cause irreparable changes down the line?
1: Yeah, I think it's an incredibly important issue that oftentimes isn't given the full attention it deserves. And I think what is surprising for most people is the very young ages at which some so called health professionals believe that. Medical intervention and in some cases permanent medical intervention should be allowed for people pursuing gender reassignment. I think, I think people are shocked when they discover that kids are undergoing medical treatments that could leave them sterile, that could result in physiological changes. And, and the rest of the world has noticed that this is a real problem, I think. You've, you've seen a lot of reversing course in parts of Europe. And even in the United States, from people who said, we've gone too far down the road of allowing these invasive medical procedures to happen at such a young age. And they've started to reverse course. But the same isn't, isn't true in Canada, at least not yet. And, and that's a real concern for a lot of parents. I, I think most parents who love their children want to see them be happy. But in a lot of cases, I think a lot of parents and others feel that the first thing that should happen is mental health support not invasive medical procedures to change a child's biology. And oftentimes, I think a lot of people feel that medical health step, that mental health step is being skipped and children are being pushed quickly into um, reassignment therapy and surgery rather than exploring some of the underlying mental health causes like depression and anxiety that might be driving some of their concerns and issues.
0: For sure. And I, I think that's an important point. Yeah, you bring up other countries have hit the brakes on this thing. There was that um, clinic, I think it was the Tavistock Clinic in, in the United Kingdom that was completely shut down because of exactly this. There's other countries in Europe that have totally revised their stance on when it is appropriate for an individual at what at, at a certain age to pursue uh, life-altering treatments. I, I, I also want to be clear here that it, it, from the post that the foundation put up, it seems that this child is not on any hormone treatment. It says here that she dreams of a world where her body reflects her identity, eagerly anticipating the day her doctors allow her to take hormones that will aid her transition. So from that, it, it tells me that the doctors have not signed off due to this child's age on any sort of medical treatment, but it seems that the transition is already underway in a social context. But the main issue for a lot of people, is the way that this is written, the encouragement from the foundation, the lack of hesitation or guidance. It seems like they've went a hundred percent in on this, and they're not even telling the child that there are other options available.
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest concerns people have around the whole issue is that not enough thoughtful commentary is being posted, and that. Too many people get labeled as transphobic or hateful if they express any form of reticence or hesitancy about anything other than full-throated support for immediate gender transition. And I think as a result, a lot of people feel either gun-shy for wanting to talk about the issue, or they feel unable to speak up and share their opinions. But the real people who suffer because of that are young children who may be dealing with very challenging mental health situations. They may have depression, they may have anxiety, they may have other issues that need mental health. And instead of getting the the fulsome treatment they deserve, they're being pushed in one direction uh, by a lot of a lot of medical professionals and activists who say to them that the correct answer is immediately to begin the gender transition process. And if you disagree with that, it's because you're hateful. And I think a lot of people don't see that as being true. They don't see it as being fair and accurate. And in other countries, they've even gone so far as to reverse course. And I think you're gonna start to see that in, in Canada as well. The federal government's recent assurance that they will not be regulating podcasts under the Online Streaming Act is misleading since the legislation empowers regulators to oversee platforms that viewers use to access the podcasts they enjoy on services like YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. On Tuesday, the Canadian press reported that the Liberals' online streaming law won't regulate social media creators or podcasts. The report was in response to Heritage Minister Pascale Saint-Ange releasing her final ministerial directive to the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission, the CRTC. St. Ong specifically told the CRTC not to regulate individual podcasts in the directive, telling them that they were not to, quote, impose regulatory requirements on online undertakings in respect of the programs of social media creators, including podcasts. However, the directive did tell the CRTC to treat online undertakings, in other words, streaming services, in the same way as any other Canadian broadcasting company. This directive effectively makes the likes of YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts akin to Bell, Rogers, or Chorus Entertainment, the three largest broadcasting entities in Canada. The aforementioned streaming services are where the bulk of Canadians get their podcast content from. While the Online Streaming Act, also known as Bill C11, may not be regulating individual podcasts, they will be regulating the companies that distribute a vast majority of them. If anything, this directive makes the CRTC's job far easier and the scope of their regulation and censorship far broader than how it's being presented. So Cosman, this of course, isn't the first time this liberal government has veered into being an online censor or uh, meddler in how content is presented to Canadians Right now, for people who want to consume True North on Facebook or Instagram, they are, of course, blocked from getting that news content in Canada. And now they're trying to meddle in how Canadians get content through podcasts, through YouTube, and through other big streamers. And I think I can say that, of course, they're going to suggest that this won't have an impact on what Canadians get. But they also promised that nothing would be disrupted because of the Online News Act. And then, of course, it turned out to be exactly the opposite. So do you think Canadians have, can have anything in this government that says, oh, don't worry, we're not regulating individual content creators, it's only the screening platforms. there'll be no change?
0: No, absolutely not. And this is the, I think, third minister that has repeated this talking point uh, in light of the obvious evidence that this bill regulates all sorts of things, including the individual content that ordinary Canadians post online, they're going to treat everybody like a broadcaster, like a multi-million dollar uh, business. And it, it's crazy. It was first uh, Stephen Gilbeau, when he was heritage minister, who suggested that they had no plans to regulate uh, the the content Canadians post online. That was followed up by Pablo Rodriguez. And now you have Pascal Saint-Ange saying the same thing, but even their own Current and past commissioners have said that this bill allows the CRTC to regulate, it gives it the power at least, to regulate individual Canadians' content. And, you know, it's up to them whether they use that power or not, but we know that it's written in there. All of the commentators, even social media creators, have said this, and, it, it, you know, it's just falling on deaf ears when the Canadian Ministers keep saying one thing, but the bill itself says another.
1: Yeah, I think it should be incredibly concerning for individual Canadians and content creators. Of course, the government claims that it intends to use this bill to, for example, promote more Canadian content that it says groups like YouTube maybe or aren't doing enough to get Canadian content out in front. But I think in reality, what people are more afraid of is the government using its ability to interfere or to meddle in the algorithm is to start de-emphasizing or, or suppressing content that is hostile or critical of the government and promoting content, other content that is more favorable of it. You would You would see basically the government meddling to try and promote pro-government content and suppress anti-government content. That's a pretty thin end of the wedge. I mean, if you go down that road, you start to encounter full censorship regimes like China and Russia and places like that. So do you think that Canadians should be right in worrying that the government might start to suppress content that's critical of it? Because that's one of the things the CRTC could do under this new law.
0: Absolutely. And in this country, we are at least told that we have freedom of expression. But this bill I think, is a direct violation. It controls what Canadians can say, but also what they can hear. And even if you were to hope for the best and what uh, believe what they're saying to be true, that they want to present Canadian content and, and, you know, highlight this and, and, and get more viewership and whatnot, even by their own standards, they can't identify what Canadian content means. I remember back during when this bill was, like, getting figured out during committee meetings, one of the, I think, conservative MPs brought a list of different titles of, of films and asked uh, liberal members to identify which ones were created by Canadians. Yet some of those films were actually, the content might have been about Canada or Canadian history or some Canadian individual, but they were produced in the United States. And these people in charge of writing this bill couldn't even identify it. So even if you were to buy into what they're saying, it's, it's just such a mess that there are so many potentials for this bill to be abused in the absolute worst way.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech.
0: The Alberta NDP is facing pressure from within to rebrand in order to distance themselves from their federal counterparts and the leadership of Jugmeet Singh. Led by Brian Malkinson, a former NDP party candidate, A faction known as Alberta's Progressive Future APF suggests that the current name of the NDP is costing the party votes due to its association with the federal NDP and perceived influence from Singh. Malkinson explained in a press release that half of all voters have an incorrect assumption about the level of influence the federal NDP has on the policy of the Alberta NDP. He added that while the Alberta NDP is completely autonomous from the federal party, sharing the same name has created confusion for the average Albertan voter. Malkinson said, this confusion is very effectively exploited by the UCP and will continue to be for as long as the provincial party has the same name as the federal NDP. The survey revealed that while 12% of respondents expressed a potential willingness to vote for the NDP, they do not currently support the party. Additionally, another 12% indicated that they are unlikely to vote for the NDP, but are open to supporting a different party with a center or center-left orientation. Despite the support from various NDP members, Rachel Notley told reporters Wednesday, I am very proud of the name NDP. She added that she's comfortable with the relationship between her party and the federal NDP. William, I just want to point out a case study because here in British Columbia, we had a liberal party of British Columbia, which decided to change its name in order to distance themselves from the federal liberals who, as we all know, aren't doing so hot in the polls. And it's been A complete disaster they have they are currently the official opposition but I've seen projections show their seat count into the next election which I think could be less than a year away depending on whether the NDP government calls one before the slated date and they're gonna go down as the projections say at least to the single digits and potentially get replaced by the conservative party of British Columbia which is, has, has also rebranded, but in a different way, as the official opposition. So as an Alberta politico, as somebody, you know, in tune with these things, do you think Rachel Notley would ever abandon the NDP brand?
1: Well, this is such an interesting question. I think the example of BC, and of course, we don't know what the outcome of the next election is, but if we're to believe the current public polling results there, simply changing your name isn't a magic cure-all for fixing some of the problems associated with a political party or its identity uh you know i think the the bc liberals which have sort of been a coalition between uh small or the capital l liberal party members and small c conservatives the change seems to have left them vulnerable to being home to neither and they're getting votes picked away from both the left and the right here in alberta it's absolutely a challenge for the New Democrats to have the name NDP to be campaigning under that banner. And I think it's because the federal NDP is so hostile to things like Alberta's energy sector, to many of the values that Albertans hold. You know, there is not a tremendous amount of support, particularly in Calgary, for things like a carbon tax. And to go campaigning under the NDP banner, I think, is is challenging for a lot of those people. All of that being said, Rachel Notley does have a long and storied history with the New Democrats, and so does her father, the late Grant Notley, who who very tragically died while he was the one NDP member in the Alberta legislature. And I think it would be a, a bridge too far for her to really ditch all of that NDP branding. But it is going to be a problem for her to be continually associated with Jagmeet Singh, who is not popular in Alberta. It's an issue she's going to have to deal with. And she has a, a more fundamental issue, which is to hold her own party's coalition together over the next four years. It's Why she's so aggressively attacking the United Conservative Party is because it, it takes away attention from the divisions in her own party between those who want it to remain centrist, to try and win over voters in, in Calgary, and those who want it to remain true to its social democratic roots and have it be more leftist. So I don't know what what her approach will be. But given her own personal history, I don't think she's going to be prepared to ditch that NDP branding anytime soon.
0: That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news.